Can the Aggies' interior defensive lineman be the anchor for an elite defense in 2022? All that and more on this episode of the Locked On Aggies podcast. You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Aggies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Joey Ikes. Thanks for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every day. We are free available wherever you get your podcast. We're going to talk today about interior defensive line. Interior defensive line is one of those positions that never really gets its flowers, so to speak. It never really gets the recognition that it deserves for how important and what a big role it plays in terms of the success and or lack of success of a football team on the defensive side of the ball. The interior defensive line, really their capabilities inside drive the capabilities of what a defensive coordinator has the freedom to do with the entire other eight, nine, or 10 guys on a defense. If interior defensive linemen can't hold up against the run, defensive coordinators have to add extra players to the run defense in order to stop the run. When that happens, it opens up the secondary. It opens up space in the field for the passing game. And over the course of the last 10 or 15 years, as we've seen various iterations of the air raid offense and these spread offenses and these other offenses that want to throw the ball all over the field all game long. They want to fill the air with footballs. You would think that that trend would make these interior defensive linemen less important because there's less running to handle. The problem with that is you still have to be able to stop the run when they do run it, or even these guys like Mike Leach will run it at you over and over and over if you can't stop it. So these interior defensive linemen cannot be anymore these small 280-pound penetrating players who get washed out against the run you need guys who can play not only a single gap in the, in the run game, but can play one and a half gaps or two gaps in the running game by themselves in order to open up extra guys to go play in pass defense. So there's a, a concept of defensive coordinators want to be plus one. They want to be gapped out. And what that means is that if an offense has an offensive line of five offensive linemen plus one tight end, as available blockers in the running game, a defensive coordinator typically and over a long time has wanted to have more players in the box, more players in the run fit in run defense than the offense has blockers. And that's because each blocker has a gap on either side of them that the running back can run through. So you have to have a guy to account for each gap. 
And over the course of history, there's been different ways that defensive coordinators have tried to steal gaps, whether it's by uh, bringing a safety late or it's rotating the defense differently or the most traditional way is to have one defensive lineman play more than one gap. So either play one and a half gaps or play two gaps. So if you're playing two gaps, the defensive lineman is often going to line up heads up, nose to nose with the blocker who's going to block him. And he's going to take on that blocker. He's going to gain control and he's going to have responsibility for the gap on either side of that blocker. So he now has a defensive tackle may have the, the responsibility for the gap inside of the guard between the guard and the center and the gap outside the guard between the guard and the tackle and having defensive linemen capable of doing that in this age of defense in this age of college football is so important because it frees up your linebackers and your safeties to play primarily pass defense because if you've got a defensive lineman that's not going to get washed out of a gap and open up a big crack then these linebackers and safeties can read pass first. And in the world of RPOs, run pass options, where the quarterback is often reading the reaction of one of those second-level defenders, the linebackers and the safeties are sometimes like a nickel, um, it's really important for those guys to not immediately react forward to the run game because the quarterback's going to throw the ball behind him. And it's also important, it's very important for them to be able to hold their ground in pass coverage, force the quarterback to give the ball to the running back because that's a much less dangerous play. Defensive coordinators are at the point where they want to force their opponents. They want to force these offenses to run the ball. They would rather them run the ball thinking that they have the advantage and give them two, three, four yards a carry and trust that these defensive coordinate or these offensive coordinators and these quarterbacks are going to get impatient. That brings us to this AM interior defensive line. And this starting duo who has been getting the, the reps as what everybody will quantify as the first team is um, beefy, to say the least. Uh, one of the things about defensive line play overall and interior defensive line play specifically is you will have none of these guys will play 80, 90, 100% of the snaps. Every one of these guys will rotate in and out. The starters, the second teamers, and even some third teamers will get snaps in rotational capacities throughout the game. Part of that is how hard their job is. They're playing at 100 miles an hour every snap. Contact, all that kind of stuff wears them down. Um, the starters through camp have been McKinley Jackson, who is sort of the, the traditionally what you would call him would be the nose tackle. He's playing over the center or shaded off of the center to one side or the other in what you would call a one technique. He, he is listed at six foot two, 335 pounds. This man is a Coke machine with arms. He is going, he's a 2020 four-star recruit from the state of Mississippi. And this man is going to be, and has been in his career, extremely difficult to move for offensive linemen. He is the kind of player who, if you line him up on a center, 
they are going to need the center and the guard to block and move McKinley Jackson, which then effectively means he has won his assignment, even if he's only taken two guys. Because if he's taken two guys, that means nobody's getting up to the next level to block the linebacker. That means the linebackers that will cover later on as we get closer to, to game week next week, that means those linebackers have free runs at ball carriers and can hang back for just a second longer because they don't have to try to fill before the line, before the blocker gets up to the second level. So McKinley Jackson, 6'2", 335, is your nose tackle. And then historically, the other defensive tackle, um, in some systems he's called the under tackle. Um, and so his technique is usually called the three technique or the other, he's the other defensive, defensive uh, tackle, excuse me. Um, he plays usually on the outside shoulder of the guard in a four man front, the side opposite of the shade that the, the, the nose tackles playing on. Typically that guy's a lighter guy who's quicker and he's going to penetrate up the field. Um, Coach DJ Durkin, defensive coordinator DJ Durkin for Texas A&M, is extremely committed to this idea that the interior defensive linemen are going to be key in setting the tone and stopping the run because the guy who's been starting at the second defensive tackle, the guy who's been the, the under tackle or the three technique, is Isaiah Rakes. And Isaiah Rakes is six foot one, 327 pounds. So uh, essentially another Coke machine with arms, impossible to move. Fun little note about Isaiah. Isaiah played running back at his high school in the state of New Jersey. He was a 2020 recruit also. He was a three-star uh, defensive tackle. Played running back at 330 pounds. I want nothing to do with being a high school senior at you know 170 or 180 pounds as a you know a safety and having to fill the alley and try to tackle that guy. Want nothing to do with that. Keep me as far from that as possible. But these two guys, this beef in the middle, especially in early downs, first downs and second downs, and then in you know short yardage situations, having this much beef and this much impossible to moveness on the interior of the defensive line is a massive advantage for AM on the defensive side of the ball. They can very easily, with this combination inside, they can easily commit seven or even eight guys to pass coverage early in the down and trust that with the speed that they have at the linebackers and the defensive back levels, that those guys will rally to the ball and that they won't be taking on clean blockers because these two guys are going to eat up four of the five or six blockers that, a, that an offense is going to be able to present. It's a massive, massive advantage. And it's massive because the, the guys are, the dudes are huge and it's a massive advantage from a schematic standpoint. Before we talk about some of the other defensive tackles and the, the, the differences and how, how this will play out. Um, I'm going to tell you guys about bet online. Bet online is the fastest, and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, NHL, NHL combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be 
the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online, where the game starts. As I mentioned before, defensive tackle is an interesting position to look at a full roster, and it's a tough position to really build a true depth chart for because, yes, there's two positions. Usually there are only one or two true defensive tackles on the field at any point in time. But there could be three or four different roles within the de- that fit under the defensive tackle umbrella. And the guys who have been running with the second team for most of camp fit a different umbrella or a different role than the guys who have been running with the first team, which is why I say you're not going to see McKinley Jackson and Isaiah Rakes out there for 70, 80, 90% of the plays. They're going to be out there for a chunk of the plays, and they're going to get rotated out for guys like Marcus Burris, six foot four, two hundred and ninety pound, 2021 recruit from Texarkana. Shout out to East Texas. And Shamar Turner, the six foot four, 300 pound, four star recruit from 2021, who last year, out of DeSoto was a freshman all-conference player. And now he's running with the second team through camp. Now what this means, what this really means is not necessarily that McKinley and Isaiah are going to run out there. They're going to play. They're both going to come out and Marcus Burris and Shamar Turner are going to come in and play the same identical roles as what the two big boys that we talked about a minute ago were. So think about the difference in poundage in tonnage between Isaiah and McKinley and then Marcus and Shamar. So at 290 and 300, you're looking at 590 pounds compared to the 665 pounds that you were talking about with McKinley and Isaiah. So Marcus and Shamar are going to be your guys who come in most often in more obvious or more 50-50 run and pass scenarios. These guys still have to be able to play the run, but these guys who are on the lighter side, more explosive up the field and will be more disruptive in the pocket to a quarterback who's trying to throw the ball on third and seven to try to convert and continue a series. That's how the difference between these two sets of guys work there. You'll probably see uh, coach Durkin run even some of your larger defensive ends which we'll talk about in another episode as well, into this sort of situation where they're coming inside to rush the passer inside against a guard. Because think about what the guard now has to handle on the offensive side of the ball. He has to block on one snap Isaiah Rakes at 327 pounds, who used to play running back. And then you run in Shamar Turner, who's 25 pounds or 30 pounds lighter and much quicker and more explosive off the ball. That They're going to be able to play games with those offensive linemen through that. And then even bring a, a 280-pound defensive end and slide him inside in those pass rushing situations and cause a lot of problems 
for offensive linemen, offensive linemen for protection schemes, all those sorts of things. I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Aggies your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. It's going on right now. The seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, the Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for the ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Check it out today. There are a few more guys that we need to talk about in this interior defensive line room that is an extremely impressive group for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. Uh, the first guy, the next guy we're going to talk about is Walter Nolan. Uh, unfortunately for Walter, he's wound up missing quite a bit of fall camp. Um, but he's a six foot four, 310, 320 pound defensive tackle who actually could play some defensive end at that weight, which is extremely impressive. Um, as of this point, according to 24-7, he is the highest graded, highest rated prospect ever to sign with Texas A&M since 24-7 started rating prospects. Prior to Walter Nolan, the highest rated prospect ever to sign with A&M was Miles Garrett. So that shows you the world of player that we are talking about here with Walter Nolan. Unfortunately, like I said for Walter, he has missed much of the fall camp for his freshman season. It's unfortunate. It doesn't necessarily mean he won't have the opportunity to contribute this year. I think, I think it would be shocking if that turned out to be the case where he was essentially a non-factor, you know, winds up playing in three or four games in red shirts or something like that. I don't foresee that happening at all. Walter Nolan is going to play a role for this team, and he's going to be a big factor for this team. They just have to get him up to speed, get him on the field, and get him rolling. And maybe that happens in the 10 or so days between now and when the season starts. Maybe it happens as the season rolls on. They start to work him into those first few games and then really get him ready to hit the ground running for the SEC schedule. Another five-star 2022 prospect uh, is Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, 6'3", 300 pounds, 2022, five-star. He was injured coming into school. He has missed all of camp. We will see if he has any sort of impact this year or if this sort of winds up being a, a medical redshirt-style season. Um, that winds up putting him in position to be a huge impact player in 2023 as he has a full year on college campus um, and him and Walter Nolan sort of become the, the heir apparents at the defensive tackle position for Texas A&M. Again, this is an extremely deep group. Talk about a couple more guys, Albert Regis, Adarius Jones, Elijah Judy. The thing about this group is that all of these guys – are SEC quality defensive tackles that any SEC team would take in their too deep sort of lineup. AM's carrying these guys in their threes and in their fours, and some of them aren't playing because they're injured. This group is a national championship level quality interior defensive line group that extends out to the defensive ends, a little less experience out there, but it, it extends out to the defensive ends as well which puts this defensive front as a whole in a position to really, really, really be a dominant group 
and be the type of group that sets the tone in football games that it's going to be extremely difficult for anybody, no matter who they are, to step on a field against the Aggies and move the football. And that's so important for a team that has a quarterback competition that's going to wrap up um, going into the season that has not very much experience in the offense with, for the quarterback that's going to have young skill players that are, that are important skill players and has some transition happening in a couple of spots on the offensive line for that defensive line to be an elite national level top two or three group in the nation uh, will really set the tone. And that's a position group like this is what puts a team in position to be able to really make big time noise across the season in the SEC, in the national title picture, if they get the level of offensive play that they need. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Ikes. You can read my writing about all things Texas A&M over at aggieswire.usatoday.com. We're doing some really fun stuff over there right now. You can follow uh, the show on Twitter at Locked on Aggies. And please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a five-star review and check out our YouTube channel, Locked on Aggies, as well. So be sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell, rate and review, leave the comments, all those sorts of stuff. And now that you've made Locked on Aggies your first listen of the day, Get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. That's Locked On SEC.